Welcome to the Ready Set Crypto Podcast. Do you expect us to talk? I, you'll be shaken and stirred. Now meet your hosts, Doc and Mav. Views and opinions heard on the Ready Set Crypto Podcast are not necessarily the opinion of this company nor its management. Material on this program is for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. Hello, everyone. This is Doc Severson with the Ready Set Crypto Podcast. Today, I have with me, I have the pleasure of having Craig Trader Cobb of Sydney, and we're here to talk about markets. So both of us are traders. This is typically what we do. So markets are always completely different. So Craig, tell us uh, what you're seeing out there. Here it is, the first day of May in 2019. And we've we've been through a lot in the last 30 days or so. It's been a very interesting market. So what are you seeing now? Yeah, look, from my point of view, I, I agree with you. Yeah, it's been very interesting. One thing to note is um, a bit of the what has occurred over the last three months. Okay, so you know, re- leading up to the end of April, the last three months, January, of course, was quite um, bearish, quite bad, quite slow, quite lacking in volume. As a matter of fact, January was probably the most lacking month of crypto since I've been involved. It was really, really slow. From there, we've now seen three monthly candles close bullish. Now, they're not overly bullish, but they've closed above where they opened. I'm going to keep it very, very simple like that. Last month, the month of April, it was up, depending on what you look, I think on um, Coinbase, it's about 28%. On Bitfinex, it's about 32% or thereabouts. But it was a really strong close uh, to the month of April. Now, if you go back through and have a look throughout the monthly chart, I know not many people use the monthly chart. You'll actually see the last time that we actually had three bullish candles on the monthly in a row, we were in a bull run. And if you go back even further back to, I think it's the back end of 2015 into February 2016, you'll note that it got a bit choppy. And then when those three bullish candles came in, that really kicked off that first little leg. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's going to be the same thing that occurs again. It'd be nice if it did. But it shows that there's a little more strength coming back in. Something else that I think helps with the strength of the market right now in terms of Bitcoin is obviously we've, we've had to deal with the teller tether <laughs> uh, saga mark 75 or, or you know yeah. it, it, it constantly seems to be uh, on the tip of everyone's tongues and and here we are again uh they have 74 percent covered that maybe they've lost 850 million Whoa, just 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 like the fiat markets right i mean yeah we'll just print more that's all we need to do it, it, exactly exactly but that that was um that was something somewhat shocking in the marketplace and that would have driven a lot of downward momentum at different other times throughout the history of bitcoin i saw it bounce straight away it came back and we're kind of sitting at a pretty happy space right now so as much as that wasn't a great thing i was really proud i say proud because i feel like i'm a part of it uh, of, <laughs> of bitcoin and the market in the way that it just kind of went yeah okay next and just moved on i when I did the newsletter that night, I actually, it, it had just moved. I was using like a five-minute candles, and I was like, it was on a third of the five-minute candles. And I'm like, this is just happening right now. And I, I re- read the news, and I was like, this is great. I love this. This is like, it's shaking the market loose. And this is what you've got to do in markets. To to go forward, you got to take one step back to take two steps forward. So mm-hmm. it's always about getting people on the wrong side of the ledger, way too late in the game, and then forcing them out. That's how price moves. 
And it didn't um, – I mean, if you look at the selling, it, it occurred over – most of it occurred over two hours. It wasn't sustained. No. You know, it, it, was, it was direct. It was brutal. It was fast. It was a Bitcoin move. But it found a trampoline very quick. It came straight back up. It, it didn't hang around those lows very long. The selling wasn't something that occurred for a long period of time. And the whole market just sort of went – all right, it could, have been, it could have been very easy for the market to have bought into that and gone, oh, Jesus, sell, 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 sell. But it didn't. It kind of went, we've been here before. Can we please move on? And I'm really happy with that. You know, what's interesting is, you know, of course, depending on what exchange you're looking at, but like on Bitstamp right now, I'm looking at this, and it came down to exactly 5000 versus the U.S. Yeah. dollar. On yeah. Coinbase, it undercut 5000 slightly. On Bitfinex, it was slightly above 5000 So Correct. What what do you see in terms of, you know, I I would have thought that these all these exchanges would have been arbitraged by now because this is what happens in the equity markets, right? The options markets, equity markets, all these exchanges are like robo arbed against each other. So you have incredibly efficient markets, but I'm, I'm just surprised that something like a Bitfinex is so far outside of the pricing of like a Coinbase or. Or a bit stamp or a Kraken. Well, I, I'm with you on that as well, man. Like, I mean, we, we had a brief discussion leading into this interview how, you know, we, you almost got a caveat each time you're talking about a chart in crypto. You, you know, you're not just talking about Bitcoin. You're talking about Bitcoin on this exchange. Because whenever you quote a price or looking at a chart, it can be wildly, wildly different. <clears throat> now, if I – and this is why right now in my top 10, looking at it now, uh, I have got – uh, Bitcoin, which is on Bitfinex, because I do like to trade on Bitfinex and Bitmex because I've got good leverage options that I'm able to do here in Australia. And I'm looking at it on um, Coinbase. Now, Coinbase has the price of 5329 whereas Bitfinex has 5645 Now, if I then go and compare that to the um, Bitmex contract, it's at 5326 Then if I do the um, uh, Kraken... The Kraken chart has it at – where did we go, Kraken? It's in here somewhere. Uh, why can't I find that one? They're all different, and that's the thing that I find – well, sorry, I shouldn't say they're all different because they're actually not all different, right? They're, a lot of them are the same. I can't find Kraken for some reason, but a lot of them are the same. A lot of them are different, which it's really at the moment the one that's outside of it like if I look at Bitstamp as well, it's at 5,325. Bitfinex is the only one that is sort of out by that $300 margin. But here's the other interesting thing, Doc. Here's the other interesting thing that I can't get my head around. It's not constantly like that. It will come in again because I've been noticing it and watching it and relaying this. And sometimes Coinbase, like if there was a period, I think it was last week, Coinbase was above the price of what Bitfinex was. I can't understand. I thought it would be up to death and it would be dead, but it's it, clearly it's not, and I don't know why. I wonder if it has anything to do with the uh, the native country that the exchange is in and any currency fluctuations against fiat. I, I mean, I can't understand any other reasons why it would be out there because otherwise they would instantly orbit, well, as instant as you can on anything that requires Bitcoin. But Well, maybe they are. Maybe that's why they're happy even leaving it as it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a whole I mean there's a whole service that's out there doing arbing against different exchanges and different coins and apparently some people are happy with it. I do not recall the name of the service, but 
Well, look, I think I think one of the things as well is that you know it brings back the emphasis on what a trader should be doing. It's trading what you see, trading the chart you're trading. So if I'm going to trade, if I'm going to look at the Bitfinex chart but trade it on Bitmex, that's just silly because of the, the different pricing. You got to trade the chart that you see and and focus on what is, not what isn't. Um, often, like these questions that you and I are having about the the, the uh, difference between say Bitfinex and Bitmex pricing or Coinbase pricing. Um, we're traders, so we know that's just a very that's a conversation point. That's it. It's not going to factor into any of my decision making. It's not going to factor into any of your decision making. It's just something that we notice and go, huh? No, no, I'm you're ready. just doing setups on price discovery on one instrument. It's just a chart, and that's that. That sometimes is what makes us different from other folks because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like my partner Mav has talked about this tribalism that occurs in crypto, where people just get into the coin. You know, like we jokingly call people like. Oh, the Ripple Army or, you know, these, you know, it could be any group that follows the coin with like religious fervor. And I really don't care. I mean, it's, it's just, I just see candles in a chart. I just see price discovery in there and I see patterns. That's all I see. You and me both. It's, and that's, that's the way it should be. Um, If you're a trader, that's what you do. You focus on what you know. We know charts. You know we've got our own ways of trading the markets. We teach people to do that. We stick by what we do, and we talk about that. That's that's one of the benefits I think of being a technical trader is that you know you don't get caught in the why too often. Or why did that happen? I don't care why it happened. I cared what's happening next and why wasn't I on that if it was something that I could have traded. A big difference. Yeah. Now there's there's um, boy there was a question I got last week because I did a video about not following the herd you know don't be part of the crowd don't follow the herd and somebody called me out on the youtube comments and said well what are you talking about the herd is basically the trend and i'm like no it's not quite like that so have you heard you know no no pun intended but i mean how do you explain to people the difference between trading with the trend and not being part of the herd at the same time if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think trend and herd are two different things as well. Um, just because a lot of people are doing something doesn't make it right. Uh, it's when the volume is doing something uh, that makes it right. So, you know, if you've got 1,000 people that are all saying, the market's going to go lower, the market's going to go lower, well, like we've seen for such a long time now, oh, we're definitely going back to 3,200, we're definitely doing this, it's going to happen, it's 100%. It's like, okay, it's def- ne- there's never a definite. There's never once in the markets ever going to be a definite. Okay? The only definite that we've got is that there will be a price that moves higher and lower or sideways. They're the only definites that we have. So when I hear people talk about that sort of thing, that can be the herd, the herd of, of small amounts, all saying, we're going lower, we're going lower. But you know what? Small amounts of money don't move markets. Large amounts of money do. So for me, I'm not interested in the herd. I'm interested in the trend. Now, there's two ways to trade trends. There's counter-trend trading, and there's continuation of trend trading. But either way, you need to understand trend and, and really try to be a master of understanding trend to trade either with the trend or against the trend. Because if you don't understand what trend is and what it looks like when it's strong and it looks like when it's weakening and at turning points, well, you can't counter-trend trade it and you can't follow trade with it. You know, the one the one way that I would answer that question is like 90% of the time when we have a market that's what I call the character of quiet and trending, you are going with the trend and you are pretty much going with the herd. 
because everybody's just sort of pushing this thing along and the shorts are quietly getting squeezed out. And this process just happens time after time. Actually, bear markets are relatively rare. You know, they're violent, they're rare, but they usually last about a year and a half and then they're gone and then the rest of the time we're just kind of grinding higher. Uh, Where I see people get into trouble is trying to short a strong market, shorting a dull, quiet, grinding market that just get continually bent over. Now, the the big difference where I will go against the crowd, against everybody else, is a violent sell-off. I love those. Uh, and, and buy them or to sell them? Uh, to, to buy them. I, I will go long into a violent sell-off. So it's not necessarily catching a falling knife. Now, this could be, depending on the time frame, this could be in the midst of a bigger trend, like the other day that we had on the Tether News. That's a great example of where people are just like losing it right there. And I'm like, oh, well, this is great. I love this because it's it's reversion to the mean in that time frame. But I've also looked at like in the equity markets back around uh, Christmas Eve uh, at the end of last year in 2018. That was a just a perfect pattern to buy into on something like that or to sell premium into. Well, look, I, I look at that in, in a similar light. Um, I've got a strategy that's, I mean, I've got three strategies. One's for when markets consolidate and then a breakout. So it's a, it's a breakout strategy, right? The second is a pullback into a, into that cradle zone, which it slows down. And there's some setting up on Ripple and Ethereum on the four hour at the moment. Uh, I know this is not live, but, you know, th- th- there are these certain things that are that I've got orders for in now. It might be long, it might not be. But the other one is, is when markets are moving violently. Uh, and it's using Fibonacci to capture that moment. And you need to have a real strong confluence of events at those areas. Now, a prime example that I think everyone will remember that's been in crypto for a while was back in, um, I think it was in September of 2017. So a couple of years back um, when we saw the market just grinding up, I think it was just about to hit 5,000 and then it pulled back sharply. Now, there was an old resistance level and a double layer of Fibonacci on the 61 point. I think the 50% also matched in there with the round number of 3,000. Now, the market did this. It went and fell, like you just said, really, really, really hard. It fell to $2,986. Well, my buy orders were in at 325, 315, and 310, right? So it went bang, 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 filled, and then shush. She went straight back up. And that's when you can, because what I don't want people to think is that when the markets are falling, you should be buying it. No, 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 no. You need to have a number of reasons as to why it's going to stop at that point. And you need to be very good to be that precise. Boy, that is, uh, looking at that pivot right now, that's a great example of former resistance becoming new support because that was an actual, the, uh, look at the pivot test from June. Dude, isn't it? It's a cracker. It, it goes right down to that level. That was amazing. It stood out like baboon's balls. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah. so, it can uh, work, but again, you need to know what you're looking for. So I got uh, I got two questions for you here uh, to this. So do, and I know this is kind of the question of the month right now, but it's worth bringing up to, to see what kind of differences in opinion we have. Do you think the bottom is in right now? And what would tell you whether or not it is or not? So I'm not looking yeah. for a prediction, but it's more of like, what are you looking at to tell you whether or not it is in or not? Yeah, it is. It is the question of the week, the day, the month, the year. It's constantly there. The uh, the you know, as everyone's mouth opens, is the bottom in? Um, look, I don't know. Is the god honest truth? 
Uh, and I'm, you know, the way I make my money is not by knowing when the bottom is. Um, but when I look at these charts, to give you my perspective as opposed to my, you know, sort of solid opinion, the weekly has got a higher low and a higher high. It's uh, after we saw that really strong week, which was up 26.8% on the Coinbase chart, um, you know, that you know that day that we sort of shot up. If you look at the weekly, since that big shoot up, we've got one, two, three, and this is our fourth week. Uh, up around above 5,000. Now, generally after a big move like that, we will often see a bit of uh, letting off some steam or see a bit of a sell-off. haven't seen that. It's held up in that area. The monthly, we're still not in an uptrend on the monthly. The weekly, we are. The daily, it's getting a little bit messy now. Um, but for me, honestly, I think that um, if we can get back up above that 6,000 level, which was a catalyst for the fall last time, uh, you know, we broke 6,000. We, we saw a fall very quickly down to you know that 31 30 level again on the coinbase chart so if we can get up through six thousand, i think at that moment i think at that stage i would suggest that we might be through the thick of it uh simply because there is more information coming out that the market is reacting less um skittish when it comes to say negative news it's also becoming less um skittish when there's positive news it's becoming a little bit more mature and it's absorbing a lot more information that's going out there we get above six thousand we get above that resistance and i think there'll be a lot of people out there that will struggle to continue to be bearish and continue to have the theory of a moving lower that's my view anyway yeah, what what I'm looking at is I think six thousand sixty three hundred is going to be difficult to get through the first time, and actually that may be a big benefit for us because the bears are going to get the bears are going to get confident. They're going to load up, and with every move I've ever seen, it's always a combination of getting people on the wrong side of the ledger, and that's what you have to do for this to go higher. And it's 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 really an education that's that's happening out there because. I deal with a lot of people that, quite honestly, this is the first time they've really been investing. There was a whole generation, I think, that we lost after 2008 where people just backed away from everything. And so for a lot of folks, this is the first time that they're involved with any kind of price discovery at all. And they vehemently hate bears with a passion. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. You you want to have both sides involved in this. You really do because – for it to go higher, you have to have the bears be wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, but, 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 and it never, it, it's, it's kind of a tough argument. It doesn't make sense until you've been involved with price discovery for any length of time. But yeah, it's like, I want to see a dramatic, quick sell-off because that's going to create the potential for that slingshot, that higher low. Mm-hmm. And that's where things get really exciting. Yeah, I agree. And I, 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 I honestly... I'm with you on that. You know, there's two scenarios that I, th- I think would be the greatest scenarios. One is that we just get something happen and Bitcoin just goes whoosh, goes straight through 6,000, straight to 9,000, and we can just kiss 6,000 goodbye for a while, right? Um, something cataclysmic like the US just said that they're going to use Bitcoin for XYZ or Amazon goes Bitcoin, you can use or what, whatever it may be. Something that really picks up the adoption and the use case of Bitcoin, sending it through the roof, right? That is one very positive option. The other one is that we go from where we are now, we go whack, we hit 6,000, we go whack back down, we pull back to 55, 54, 50, whatever, even if it's 5,000, couldn't care less, right? It pulls back and then we get that momentum, we get that letting off of steam. 
so that we've we've taken another you know another step up. So look like a staircase. If you want to get to the top, you've got to go one stair at a time. Now, if you pull back and you bend your knees, you can probably jump three steps at once. You know, so that's what I want to see the market do. I want to see it pull back and get that spring with that higher low, as you suggested, uh, to really push through and clear six thousand on a higher high running through there. I think that that stage, again, uh, I, I think around that six thousand, if we do see that pullback, it will give the bears an opportunity to be heavily involved and then hopefully be very, very wrong. Good, good, good. Hey, I, I have not talked to you about this one before in our previous discussions, but this is something that I'm heading towards very soon and wanted to get your opinion on this. Are you considering or are you employing trading bots in your own use? Uh, not for crypto. Not for crypto. So, for foreign exchange, yes, we are working with somebody who has a good bot that's been running for uh, over a year now that we've been watching. Uh, there is money in that, and it's going very, very well. Crypto, I haven't looked into that. I do have some people in my community that uh, that are members that are doing that, and I'm obviously listening and watching what they're doing, but personally, I'm not involved in that. I like the foreign exchange side of it because of the, the way I trade, I, I, like any bot that I'm to create or that someone around me creates, it needs to have liquidity. Every bot needs to have it. But in the same respect, for example, you know, we get these big spikes sometimes where the price just falls by, you know, 90%, then it comes back up. And sometimes you can pick up some orders on the way down. Now, a bot that was to sort of set up like that would probably do very well because it's a different market. So I'm open to both, uh, but I've only sort of put time and effort into the foreign exchange side at this stage. The, the one thing that sort of convinced me that I have to get into this is that I've noticed that most of the moves, you know, I can sit there and I can plan out and I can say, well, look at this flag here. This is a beautiful flag, great consolidation. Buy this thing on a breakout above this level. You know, I'll wake up the next morning and the alert's already gone off and it's like we're five hours into the move and it's gone. And there's no way to chase after it. So, you know, I, I very much am used to trading around a six and a half hour window where you can kind of you can kind of catch the breakouts. You can kind of catch the pullbacks. I mean, it's not unreasonable. So unless you're trading futures and you have a great professional gap overnight, you know, you can still do very well with that sort of stuff. Can't do that with crypto. And this is what it's taken me a while to adjust to that to say, I keep missing moves again and again. And so I'm going to have to automate that. I mean, this is what I'm forced to to realize here is that this is truly a 24-hour market. Yeah, look, I'm with you on that. From my point of view, yes, the bots an option there. I just like to be able to raise an order with leverage with a stop loss also included and a take profit order included. That way, you know, if it's 11 o'clock at night, I can sit there and go, okay, well, the candle's going to close. Well, if it's 10.30, the candle's going to close at 11 o'clock at night and there might be a trade set up there. All right, I'll wait till 11 because it's either going to be on or it's going to be off. But right now, I've got to wait till 11, raise my buy order, and then wait until it's filled, raise my sell order. And then I can't put a target in, in many cases, because you can't have two orders either side. So these are the sorts of things to me that are more more concerning uh, for the way I trade. You know, I, I, I've just stopped being annoyed by it, if that makes sense, because it's <laughs> like, look, you know, unless you're going to build it yourself, and I haven't got time to do that, then you just have to be patient, Craig. You've just got to wait until you get what you need. And for the time being, you've got to understand that when you go to sleep, you are going to have trades. They're not missed trades. 
because you can't miss a trade when you're not there. So that's sort of my philosophy on it. I'd love to have the tools for which I can just enter an order and walk away knowing I've got a stop loss and a target in place. Um, that would be my holy grail. A very simple thing for them to do. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's it's more about what you don't do than than what you actually do for yeah. trading. It's like the old Jesse Livermore model mm-hmm. of just sitting there, sitting in, sitting on your hands and not doing anything with a trade. So a lot uh, of money is by doing nothing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You're right there. Anything else that uh, that you've got that you want to uh, uh, chew on? Oh, look, I mean, as, as far as the markets go, I'm really just waiting. Uh, I, I'm really, you know, it's been a really boring week, all right? It's been a really boring week for me, trading-wise. Um, I'm not in... I'm not in any rush to be taking trades. Uh, I'm there to take good trades. When a good trade sets up, I shall take that trade. Otherwise, I'm more than happy to sit back and be a spectator. And this week, I have been a spectator a great deal. And during those periods, I've been um, I've been able to read things and learn about things. And, and I think that that's a way to keep idle hands busy. Uh, you don't want to be sitting there forcing trades. You want to have something to connect with, um, whatever that may be, whether that be reading news, whether that be listening to podcasts, whether that be doing yoga, I don't know, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> doing something else that helps to give you some form of edge, I think, is really, really important. I've been able to go out there and look at a bunch of other bits and pieces. So, yeah, we've um, we've had a slow week. And, um, you know, if anyone wants to know anything more about the strategies, just there's actually a free thing. You can just go to cobcom forward slash free um free course, I think it is, or free resources. It's all there on the website anyway. Uh, and you can get a couple of webinars and whatnot there. So if you do have a downtime and you do want to learn more, look to the education side, look to the calming side, look to the mindset side. Don't look to the market for your answers because if they're not there the first time, they won't be there the next look either. Yeah, this is always, a, it, it, I think of this downtime as kind of like spring trading. I, I'm always working on the next new thing, right? I'm always working on the next project that, so next week I'm going to be coming out with a class for people that hold small accounts because I think there's a whole different philosophy and a whole different way mm-hmm. to manage yourself and to manage your money if you have a small account. You're flying right over the tops of the trees, and yeah. you know it it requires a different way of thinking about things to do that to be successful for that. Uh, but it can be done. It can be done. But you just can't trade like you're trading a six figure account. No, you you got to be gentle. You got to be careful. You got to know what your limitations are, and um, and you go with that. So it was forward slash free tools, not free resources. Uh, free tools. forward slash free tools. My apologies. Yeah, I, I think that'd be a great class because there are a lot of people out there that have accounts that don't have a lot in those accounts, and they still want to be active because you know when I was being taught, and I'm still learning. Well, my mentor he said, look, you know, if you can't make money in a thousand dollar account, you can't make money in a ten million dollar account. You got to get the skills first. Absolutely, you can learn risk management really tight on a on a small account, mm-hmm. and then bigger it. Well, Craig, I enjoyed uh, the chat tonight. As always, uh, it's yeah, it's good yeah. to hear from you. So people can go out to what is your website again? Uh, TraderCob.com. So Trader T R A D E R C O B B for Bravo. Dot com and there's all sorts of free resources and bits and pieces there. Just go and knock yourself out, do what you want, and use me as you please. Okay, fantastic. Oh, very good, mate. We'll uh, we'll catch you the next time then. Thanks again, mate, Craig. Love it as always. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, thanks very much. Hope you enjoyed the show, everyone. 
I talk about these topics and more in our daily market update video on the Ready, Set, Crypto Premium Newsletter, in our private Discord group, as well as our weekly live trade school coaching sessions that I do with our premium customers. I invite you to join our discussion as we challenge each other to improve. I hope this quick episode has helped you on your journey to profitability. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next podcast.